It's one of the common frustrations of modern life. An online company offers you a generous fee-free period of subscription or a discount, say, on first purchase for signing up. And then you find yourself locked into something so hard to cancel, you end up uh, paying for services you don't use. Or like me, you have your card scammed and you're happy because it means you don't have to disconnect, that they can't uh, claim money from you. The subscription trap is a practice that has been likened to the iconic Eagles, you know, Hotel California lyrics where you can check out any time but you can never leave. This and other unfair trading practices are now in the sights of the ACCC, the Australian Consumer and Competition Commission. It's calling on the Albanese government to strengthen laws to protect consumers and small businesses. It's busy, though, because it's also focused on implementing much stricter laws that would require companies to get clearance from the regulator before completing any mergers. In quite a significant act of regulation, we'll hear more of that in a moment. Gina Cass-Gottlieb is the chair of the ACCC, and I'm delighted to welcome her. Hello there. Good morning, Geraldine. Nice to be here. Could you give us some concrete examples, please, you've found of methods uh, that online companies are using uh, to make it difficult for a consumer to cancel a product they no longer wish to use? Yes. So we have found in subscription media services that it's extremely easy and promoted both online, whether on your phone or laptop, to subscribe, but then either... There is absolutely no email connection or response in order to cancel or no website that allows it. There often is no phone number, but if there is, sometimes uh, the services don't have an Australian representative, it it never gets answered when people phone the provided number. And uh, I have, even in my own family, with a sporting such subscription service, found that we were unable to ever get the people to answer. Ultimately, as you described, our card was cancelled and then they contacted us, the accounting service, to say, give us a new card. I'm (laughs) sure we've been seeking to contact them for over a year to cancel it. I know, I know. I have been through precisely that. We've got a listener here, Mookle from uh, Hunters Hill. I tried to unsubscribe Apple and Prime streaming services and the Washington Post as well. All took a long time to unsubscribe online and and, uh, surprise, surprise, I was charged my credit card. Then I'd ring individually and after some arguments, they refunded and also received confirmation by email, but I never received confirmation when I did it online. Keep screenshot when you do online as proof. I suppose that's just another little story. Yeah, they're very good examples. And it's a situation, Geraldine, where firstly, the promotion, it's extremely easy to sign on. Secondly, the terms and conditions do say you can cancel just with notice or easy cancellation. It's just that the business practice, the way they operate, that they don't resource, they create friction so that you can't cancel. And that's what we're looking for a law change about. Mm. We want a general unfair trading practices prohibition, which can capture these sorts of the way businesses engage with us rather than the terms. They have terms that they can stand up in some cases. In some cases, they have unfair terms, but they have terms that they can justify to a court. But their business practice deprives all of us from being able to exercise those rights that we should have. And I think as Choice has t- pointed out, uh, 
ultimately it reduces trust in business, which, you know, is something you're not interested in seeing happen. That's absolutely right, Geraldine. There are a lot of, and you're going to talk about, for instance, open AI products. There are a lot of new products. There are a lot of services that will actually, apps that will improve people's lives and the way in which our convenience for engaging in transactions, in contacting each other. But if people are concerned, anxious about it, don't trust it, we won't get the take up. In addition, we certainly have a range of examples where consumers are confused and then misled. So, for instance, you get a false scarcity reminder. It's a low stock warning. It's not the case. There's a false review, which means consumers who are relying on reviews in order to make choices are not properly informed. And in addition, the legitimate businesses who are competing with the ones with fake reviews. And this is not one-off. Certain businesses get uh, authors to write fake reviews for them. So it's a business strategy. So these sorts of aspects confuse and mislead consumers and really do undermine the basic trust that we need because we need informed consumers in order to have fair and effective competition. And, you know, some of them are easy to to, to uh, disentangle yourself from and you speak about it to others. Like, to me, it's a point of difference. It's, it would be clever for business to realise that to do it properly can be a plus for them. Absolutely. And we do want businesses to compete in terms of the fairness, uh, responsiveness of their services. It's an important mode of competition. And Legitimate businesses are let down by businesses that uh, act unfairly in this regard. What we're asking the government to do is to have, firstly, notice and action requirements. So if you see a fake review and you notify about it or, or you see what you think is a scam and you notify the platform digital business about it, they are required within a small period of time to take action and address it. Secondly, that they publicly report on the mitigation strategies they do in relation to these harms, that they all have a proper dispute resolution process and someone to answer the phone and deal with a problem. And if they fail to take those steps, that there'll be an independent external ombuds who will then be able to take concerns, disputes that are not resolved and, and have binding powers to resolve them. Okay, so just in terms of uh, what changes this would require to Australian law, like uh, is Australian consumer law, if you get your way and the the government accepts your recommendations, will that mean quite a change? It will. We would uh, see changes in our law so that across all platforms, so here we want all platforms that are engaging with consumers There are a set of minimum safeguards that protect each of us in these engagements. We think they're targeted, we think they're appropriate, and we think they will build trust. And if there is not compliance with it, we would then have powers to enforce compliance with it so that we shift to a much more efficient, fair and safer environment for consumers, which include children, of course, with many of these services all the way through to all members of our public uh, to have protections and know that 
they ha- are able to deal in a safe and fair environment online. What sort of feedback are you getting from businesses? Because they might just see this as over-regulation, of course. So firstly, I'll tell you, and you, this won't surprise you, we have very strong support from the consumer groups and academics and people and stakeholders who are speaking from a consumer point of view. Uh, some businesses are responding reasonably positively. Others say they already have those processes in place and there does not need to be uh, this mode of, of sort of legal entrenching of protections. It's just, yeah, but your point, of course, is yes, they might have it in place, but how does their business model actually play out, which is tricky. I can see the distinction. Um, so, you you know, that's an act of monitoring of, uh, has to go on. Uh, look, if we could switch focus now, Gina Cass-Gottlieb is my guest, the head of the ACCC. If we could switch focus now to the other big change that you're pursuing, broader power to assess and, if necessary, stop mergers of companies. Now, this was the focus of your address to the press club in Canberra on Wednesday. Currently, businesses wishing to merge aren't required, am I right, to notify the ACCC or wait for clearance before a merger is finalised. So you want that change, do you? You want more time, you'd like more time to assess potential deals and more information before approval is granted? You're absolutely right, Geraldine. So currently... We are one of a very small number of countries in the OECD that does not have a mandatory requirement to notify transactions of a certain size or significance, so it's above a threshold, doesn't have a requirement to to notify and then to wait until we've concluded a review. And uh, in a situation where many markets in Australia are dominated by a small number of large firms, which means that there is quite a significant focus at the moment on markets with concerns that they're too concentrated and they're not delivering enough competition to deliver lower prices, better innovation and services. And so we are very conscious that now with cost of living pressures, real uncertainty in the global economy, that it's very important for us to be able to properly screen and protect Australian community and the whole economy from mergers that would be likely to result in a lessening of competition. So there were 463 mergers notified last financial year. People might be astonished to hear that figure I was. Uh, How long is the ACCC generally given um, and how long are they told before the merger actually occurs? Hmm. Very good question. So firstly, In certain cases, because it's not mandatory, we're just not told at all. So when... So how do you find out? uh, We find out from customers or we find out from competitors or we find out because it's a global transaction and it has been notified in a regime that has compulsory notification and, and then suspending the completion. So firstly, so Facebook, when it acquired Giphy, the ACCC was not told, though it would affect Australian consumers. Um, we found out when the UK regulator was looking at it. So, uh, we, 
it, it is it is extraordinary, and there was a large uh, merger of the suppliers of cranes on ports, of course, globally, called Connor Cranes and Cargo Tech. We were not told about that either. That was going to reduce the number of suppliers in relation to gantry cranes from three to two in Australia, and we're as an import dependent country, we need efficient services and, mm. and as low-cost services as possible at the ports. So sometimes we're just not even told. But when we are told, at times we're told in three weeks' time we're going to complete. So it, it's a so-called doff-the-cap courtesy notification, but we do not have time to review. In terms of that 463, 93% of them we pre-assessed. So we, see, we look at it most mergers well, most transactions will not raise a concern and we resolve them in two to three weeks. We then take others to a public review. The ones that are really complicated, we need six months. Um, so they do, they can affect multiple markets. We need to then speak to competitors. At times we do consumer service, surveys and like international jurisdictions, if they are complicated, then we need to properly take time because we do not want to add to the level of concentration. No. The removal of a competitor is going to cause a problem. But of course, this is quite intriguing for you as I read, because you were on the other side of it, weren't you? You've been in this huh? job <laughs> a year and various writers have said, oh, it's most intriguing to see the, the lawyer, <laughs> as it were, who's, who would have said probably to the ACCC, look, you know, I don't know whether you did, but butt out, this is our business. Uh, this is not the role of the regulator. And you've ch- have you changed your mind, have you? It's a good question. So, uh, in a, a number of things, in every circumstance that I was engaged in, we did always give notice, but we did uh, not always uh, wait for the ACCC to conclude a review where there were business circumstances, but we'd give notice to give the Commission the Uh, and give information in advance. However, what I have learnt uh, now in this year, I have seen the complexity and increasing complexity of the matters that are brought to the Commission and uh, that in these circumstances, so digital platforms Mm. and the huge changes that are happening rapidly are a very good example of the complexity. And that it is also the case that more and more uh, when applications come, if they come, they come with insufficient information, sometimes incorrect information, which slows us down and makes it difficult to do the assessment. It is also um, when people call the um, poacher turned gamekeeper concept, the really important point is seeing the broader implications across the whole sweep of the work and the broader economy if we are not able to be assured that in sectors where there is already high concentration or where there are critical dynamic Mm. changes happening that if a merger takes place, they may not happen. Mm. And it gives you a much broader and more informed perspective. Well, yes, in, uh, you know, uh, the Morrison government uh, knocked back these sorts of suggestions from your predecessor, Thank Rod you. Sims, in 2021. Thank so it'll be interesting to see uh, whether the world is perceived to have changed now. Look, thank you very much indeed for joining us. 
It's a pleasure, Geraldine. Gina Cascotlieb, Chair of the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, and uh, we'll watch that as it goes through. Uh, Coming up next, where there are takeovers, right underway now, as you'll hear, the world of AI and more on that open letter from tech leaders for AI labs to stop and desist immediately, uh, given the scale of development. That's up next. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.